Hello, faithful listeners. This is the Kingdom Podcast. I hope you're ready for another episode where we're going to be looking into the inner workings of the soul. The soul is a part of you that is super important to learn about and to know. Uh, I think you'll be fascinated to know just how much activity is going on in your soul. You may refer to it as your conscience, which is fine, Um, but there's so much activity going on there, and it is part of the reason why we can really see the need for the kingdom. And so we're going to explore the soul through a thought experiment called the 30-hour fast. So stay tuned, stay with us as we jump into this episode of the Kingdom Podcast, The Inner Workings of the Soul. So, if we could separate your body, soul, and spirit, and have each part have a conversation with each other, it would be super interesting to observe what those conversations would be like. Oftentimes, your physical body just wants what it wants. Your soul, your conscience, will debate with your body to say, hey, we can't have this right now, or we can't have that much of this right now. But then your spirit, if it is active, will give you suggestions from the spirit realm. If you're someone who is in the kingdom, you'll get suggestions from God about how to approach different things in your life. And then that gets submitted to your soul, and it comes from your soul into your conscious mind as wisdom from God, and then you can carry out the wisdom from God in your body. So those are the three parts, but we're going to focus mostly on the soul today. Let's say that you are asked to do a 30-hour fast. When I was in high school, um, there was an event we did every year with World Vision called the 30-hour famine. So I literally have done this, and it is difficult, especially when you're a teenager and you're used to eating Pop-Tarts all the time, which is my, that was my guilty pleasure back in high school, Pop-Tarts and Pepsi. Um, But let's do a thought experiment. Let's say that you are asked to do a 30-hour fast, meaning no food for over a day. And it's for a world hunger benefit organization. The desire to do that comes from from only one place, and that's your soul. Either in your soul you want to do something like that or you don't. Your soul is where you have all of your desires. Your desires originate from your soul. They develop in your soul and they live there. Now the suggestion or, or an idea to participate in a fast can come from many places, but, you know, it can come from a friend, it could come from a principal or teacher or parent. Um, Let's say in this case, a friend invites you to do this 30-hour fast, and, you know, you're you're down for it, but you realize it can be kind of hard not eating for 30 hours. Now, your mind is going to be really activated over the course of this 30-hour famine. Your desires are going to be activated. They may shift from from wanting to do the fast to not wanting to do the fast. You're going to go through a lot of changes. Um, Your soul will begin asking itself, do I really want to do this? Um, Do I really care about this World Health Organization as much uh, as denying food for 30 hours? Let's say the answer is no. Your mind will immediately start working on a response to decline your friend's offer and say, hey, you know what? This is not for me. 
But if there is some kind of a desire there to support this benefit organization, then your mind will start to think of a response to get involved or maybe and ask more questions. Now, remember, your soul is a combination of your mind, the way you think about things, your will, you know, your active will to actually want to do something, and then your emotions, the feelings that go into what you want to do. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Emotions include your desires, what you want to do, what you don't want to do, how much of something you want, how quickly you want it. All of that has to do with your desires and your soul. Let's imagine that you're going throughout the process of this 30-hour fast. You said yes, you're there with your friend, and everybody's talking and, and learning more about world health. And in the course of this event, let's say within the first 10 hours, you really start to get hungry. Your stomach starts turning flips and your body is slowly getting cold and and and, and you almost feel yourself burning through fat reserves, right? <laughs> this is when your will starts getting into the conversation. Your soul, the will of your soul starts to say, can I really push through this? Can I do this or shall I call it quits? Self, what are we going to do? And this is the conscience. This is the conversation that you're having in your soul. You really have to, from moment to moment, evaluate. Do I want to keep going when it really gets tough? Let's say you push through after that first 10 hours. You say, you know what? I can keep doing it. And then a few hours go by and you stick your hand into your coat because let's say you put your coat on just to get warm because you're starting to get cold. You put your coat on and you stick your hand into your coat and you feel that there's something there and you remember your mind jumps on this idea of what's in your pocket because it's a Snickers bar. You know, the Snickers bar has a Snickers satisfies. I drew a little graphic of that for this podcast. It says Snickers satisfies. And you're thinking all of a sudden, here's an opportunity for me to get some food in this belly. I have been suffering. I've done 15 hours of this 30 hour fast and I just need something in my belly. So now you have a, a moral dilemma. You are going to have to figure out what's right or wrong for you. And, and that's what a moral dilemma is. Morals means having to do with right and wrong. And if your will isn't strong enough to execute on what's right, you will cave. Your will can be either very strong or your will can be very weak. And so at, when you get to this point, it's like, what will I do? You're debating this and you've probably had this same debate with other things where you're in a moment of decision and you're trying to sift through really quickly. Is this something I really want to do? What are the consequences? Is this right? Am I being true to myself? So here it is. You're asking these questions, but then the thought comes to you because we all have a sin nature. It's just the way it works. We, we sometimes think about ways to, to commit sin, to do something that's not right. And so you think, well, I could take this Snickers bar, hide it behind my back, walk out casually to the parking lot or, or walk out casually to the hallway or to a bathroom stall, eat this Snickers, come back in, and no one will even be the wiser. And so the, the moral dilemma even increases. And so you wonder, is this the right thing to do? 
This has everything to do with your mind, will, and emotions. What would you do in the situation? What would you do? Would you continue? Would you, would you have the willpower to continue to keep going with that fast? Or would you stop it? Eat that Snickers bar. Would you eat the Snickers bar and fess up to people and say, hey, I'm getting hungry. I'm just going to do this. Is that how you work or would you do it in secret? I ask these questions because I want you to evaluate the way your soul works. I want to paint a picture for you. The soul, everyone's soul is different. Everyone has different strengths. You may be someone who your soul is set up to be very patient. And so you can suffer pain longer maybe than the average person. Or maybe you are someone who is just genuinely kind. And so when people are angry or mad at you, you can get over it pretty easily. Maybe you're a forgiving person. But maybe you're kind of an angry person in your soul. Maybe you tend towards anger more than the other person. Or you tend towards caving to temptation more than the the other person. That all has to do with the makeup of your soul. And the thing with the soul is that if you don't develop it, it will continue to fracture more and more and more. Let's say that this person, that that this person at this 30-hour fast eats the Snickers bar. They eat the Snickers bar in the bathroom. And the next year, they get invited to the 30-hour famine. And this time... Instead of going 15 hours, they go 13 hours and they eat something. They find something to eat. They sneak off to the vending machine. And then the next year, they bring a candy bar with them just in case because now they're feeling like they're a failure. And within 10 hours, they've already eaten that candy bar. But no one knows. Let's say they fail at the 30-hour famine 10 times over the course of 10 years. What that does to the soul is it almost convinces you inside of yourself that you can't do it, that you're a failure in that area. And so you begin to resist your own self by planning for your own failure. But let's put a twist on this story. Let's say that after 10 years, one of the coaches or participants or leaders of this benefit organization says, hey, you've been coming for 10 years and you've done this 30-hour famine for 10 years straight. We want to invite you to be a part of our leadership council. And to teach other people how to be successful with a 30-hour fast. In fact, we want you to start writing curriculum for us. And we even want you to announce your tips and strategies this year on the stage. (laughs) What a whole different ballgame now. Because now you have to decide if you're going to be honest about your failure. Or if you're going to let this stuff happen. If you're going to let it go. Are you going to be honest? What would you do? So this gets back to the build-up of the soul. If your soul has been built up in the area of honesty and integrity, even if you're not built up in self-control, which by the way, this ability to fast for 30 hours has to do with the self-control, the will of your soul. But let's say you're a very integral and honest person. This will be an opportunity for you to fess up and confess and say, you know what? I've been coming here for 10 years. But I usually do pop something in my mouth or eat something because I just can't do the talk. I haven't been able to do the 30 hours, but I won't say I can't. Just that level of confession, inviting someone into your failure actually breaks down 
your the, your failure rate. It actually opens you up to be successful in an area that you weren't before. That's why actually confession works even if you're a spiritual person or not. Just being honest with other people about your journey and where you've done well and where you failed, it can really be a helpful thing. Because then you open yourself up to advice. It's not a secret anymore. That fractured part of your soul, it can. it's like it's seeking ground. It's seeking help. But let's take the opposite situation. Let's say that you continue to hide this thing. You keep it a secret. And you agree to be on stage and to write curriculum and tell people how great you are with this 30-hour fast. That will actually lead to almost a multiplication of destruction in your soul. So where your self-control has been uh, damaged, now your your ability to harness honesty, integrity, and truth is going to be damaged. And all of these moral characteristics are a part of your soul. Your soul comes with a certain level of a belief and value and self-control and integrity and honesty and all the virtues and values that you can think of. Your soul comes with that. Justice, equity, your soul comes with those things. But those things have to be uh, located. They have to be developed. They have to actually grow. They have to be mentored into growth. And, and I would even add, from a kingdom perspective, if you really want those efforts, if you really want those values to grow to um, to great heights, then you need a spiritual component. You need the truth of God to really build those areas. But we'll talk about that in a future podcast when we talk more about the spirit. Right now, we're just focusing on the soul. But I want to wrap this up just by telling you kind of the differences. Your, your spirit is very interesting. The spirit man is it's almost like raw power. And and just to give you a little context into what the spirit has to do with all of this is that if your spirit is very 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 alive and powerful, you could actually draw strength from your spirit to empower your mind, will and emotions. When your spirit is really really alive, you think better, your emotions are stronger, and your desires, your um, your willpower is even stronger. You have more control over your soul and body when your spirit is truly, truly alive. Now, the spirit has to be alive in, in the same, um, I would say, frequency of the positivity that you want your soul to produce because the soul can actually be alive in a negative way. And, and so can the spirit. Your spirit can actually attract, um, to put it in not a new age way, but just a way that I think most people understand, your spirit can be emanating a, a negative energy or a positive energy. To put it in spiritual terms, it could be emanating the, the positive energy, which is the glory of God, or it can be emanating the negative dark energy, which is from the kingdom of the devil, Satan. Uh, both have energy. But one is light and one is darkness. And by the way, they're not equal to each other. Every time that I see a movie or a show or a cartoon or or a comic that tries to put darkness on par or on level or on course with uh, with God's power, it's laughable. <laughs> it really is. Uh, because Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 13. 
I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Uh, and that was because the devil tried to, uh, with his dark ideas, come against God and try to replace God. He was going to try to play king of the mountain with God. Well, that went nowhere very fast. In fact, as fast as lightning. And so there is no comparison to the power, the love, the light, and the peace of God. Um, there's no comparative case in Satan's kingdom. Not at all. Uh, that's just the truth. But that doesn't mean that you as a person can't be influenced in your spirit by the powers of darkness. And that's that's a reality. But the saving grace in all of this is that you in your spirit can be enlightened and and graced with the magnificent loving power of God. And that can power your soul to do better and more things than you ever have. There are fights that I used to have with myself. When I think about um, when I first um, really uh, considered coming off of alcohol. So I was some person that drank alcohol every day. I was getting to be an alcoholic if I wasn't already there. I drank morning, I, I drank noon and night, not morning, but I drank probably by noon, I had a drink in my hand. And then by night, uh, this is around like the 2004, 2005 time when I was a college dropout. And then I went back to college and I, I got kicked out of college. Um, I really had a rough time in my um, 19, 18, 1920s. And I was also uh, addicted to pornography. I was also addicted to cigarettes. Um, and, and not only just those you know, existential, um, addictions, but then I had some, I had some, uh, addictions in the way I thought. I just had a terrible thinking, uh, a mindset of, you know, I was often angry and jealous and proud, very proud. Um, and these were mental addictions that I had. But the thing was, I came to God one day when I, when I wanted to come back to God, because I started off as a Christian at age seven and I left God in college and I wanted to come back. And one of the first questions I had for God was, how can I even like start a conversation with you if I know I'm going to go back home and drink and probably smoke and do other things? And the answer God gave me was so powerful. What I began to feel was my spirit, my spirit, man, not my body, not my soul, but in my spirit, I began to feel like God was pouring his love, like liquid love into my spirit. And it started to empower my soul. And all of a sudden in my mind, I felt a confidence that I could go home and not drink and not do any drugs or not smoke cigarettes or anything, not watch pornography again. I felt so empowered. It was supernatural. I literally went home after that day. That was September 21st of 2006 went home that day and I threw away the porn tapes. I threw away, I think I might've flushed my cigarettes. I, um, which I wouldn't recommend. I, I don't know if that stuff is, uh, uh, good. Just put in the garbage, right? Soak them and put in the garbage. Um, and I had lots of beer in the fridge. I didn't touch it. My roommates drank it. I literally, when I, when I quit pornography, drinking, smoking, drugs, and a lot of the bad mindsets that I had, it wasn't a seven step program. I quit it all in one night. 
And it's because my spirit man began to be filled with the love and glory of God. And that empowered me to make the right decisions in my soul, the right decisions in my mind, will, and emotions. My my willpower gained supernatural strength that I didn't naturally have. And that's why this is so important for, for you to know. The soul literally gets bombarded with decisions every day. Now, some people are have really mastered their soul, even outside of any spiritual help or guide. It's possible to really master your soul. And, and the way you do that is every time there's a challenge to your soul to actually do the wrong thing or the right thing, you choose the right thing. You, you will yourself you with your willpower. You will yourself into doing the right thing. And you actually, it's almost like a game. You gain points. Like you gain strength in your soul, in your conscience to say, yes, my moral willpower, I can do this. And so another temptation comes and you get stronger because you say, I can do this. The natural um, end to that is though, The natural end to that is that there will be things that come where your will fails you. There will be things that come where your will fails you. And the way I know that is because especially if you begin to consider God and his kingdom, you almost get like a target on your back where the enemy starts giving these powerful temptations. And the only way to overcome those temptations is by the power of God and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way I know. In fact, it's an absolute truth. That's the only way there is to overcome those temptations. Now, for a lot of people, you can say, hey, Kenneth, I have never had a temptation that I haven't failed at. Well, I <laughs> I would challenge you probably on that. But but let's assume. Let's assume that's the case. I know that there are people who don't really get challenged in their soul because they're not seeking God. Because the devil knows that he can overpower you if he wanted to. Um and for many people he's just not going to provoke it. It's just, you know, it wouldn't be wise to waste, you know, Satan's smart enough not to waste his energy, uh, at least not to waste too much energy on people who aren't seeking God. But if you ever wanted to know if the devil was real, (laughs) start trying to find God and his truth and his realness. I have experienced this with people time and time again. The moment they become open to the idea of God their, their world just starts to really turn into a test. And they find out how strong they really are. And if they find out they're not that strong, that's okay. I mean, it's really not a scary thing or a weird thing or a problematic thing. It's okay. Because it's just evidence that you can't do it all by yourself. And you need God. Now, that's something that's just the truth. And I know that. And you hopefully will find that. But literally being put to the test by the devil will show you that you need God. It's not scary. Like, you'll be fine. But I would challenge you to start 
seeking the Lord and trying to honor the Lord with your decisions, with your mind, with your will and emotions. Try to go a whole day without thinking a, a bad thought. Think about the Ten Commandments. You know, you, you won't steal, you won't kill, you won't uh, covet your neighbor's wife, you won't um, uh, be jealous of anyone, you won't think a, a negative, blasphemous thought towards someone, you won't slander them in your mind, you won't curse someone behind their back or backs, backstab them or, or even um, slander them with your words behind their back. Try to go a whole day with, with being uh, a good, a really good moral individual. Just try to hold your own standard a whole day and see how you do. You'll find that it's really difficult without God. <laughs> it's really difficult without God. And so I hope this is uh, good information for you. It's, the, it's talking about the soul. One thing with the soul, and I learned this from Kat Kerr, who is a really powerful and amazing, um, amazing woman, amazing Christian. Uh, she often talks about how your soul is is almost, um, she I think she calls it like a carburetor, where it collects everything that you see, hear, touch, know. Your soul just collects all this information. Is and, and the more garbage you take in, you you really will send garbage out. And it's similar to what Jesus said, I believe, in Matthew twenty five, where he said, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you you know, whatever's inside of you, whatever you dwell on or think about a lot, it really is what defines you. It's, it's what comes out of your mouth. And so, you know, back in my older days, in college days, I was in a fraternity. And I mean, it was disgusting. But these, you know, the frat, they always talked about girls and, and like these kind of really scandalous and, and weird um, way of talking about uh, females. And it was not a good way to think. But after being in that situation and an environment for so long, you you just start talking like that, you know. Now I'm at a I'm at a place in a, where none of that stuff is around me. I, I really do my best to limit any kind of negative or garbage thinking, um, and um, that's and so it's it's extremely rare rare for even a thought a, a negative thought about anyone um, to to come into my mind. It's just not. It's just a rare thing. Uh, because I've built my life around really focusing on the love of God and positive thinking. And so once you've done that for like 15 years, it, it shifts the way your mind works. And you can do that. You can. This is what I talked about earlier. The development of your mind into positive, honest, integral way of thinking, way of feeling. Um, some people, even with their feelings, they dwell on misery. And so it's no surprise they always feel miserable. And I'm not shaking a stick at people who have clinical things going on with that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can dwell. You can choose to dwell on misery or you can choose to dwell on what brings you joy. And that is a choice. Well, I can't go too much on this because it'll become a a one hour podcast very quickly, but I hope this was a blessing to you. I hope uh, you think really closely about what you would do in this 30-hour fast and how that relates to other temptations you've had or are having right now. We'd love to hear from you. You can uh, chat me through Instagram or Facebook. Uh, If this was a blessing to you, please give it five stars and subscribe to the Kingdom Podcast. This has been your host and the episode, The Inner Workings of the Soul. Hope to see you here again soon.